Amen. You glad to be here? Say yes. And uh, what an awesome truth, right? That the love of the Lord never, ever gives up. And let me just say to you this morning, you know, it's not been long that uh, Hal and Jonathan, who are two members of our church, they actually opened up a, a CrossFit gym in Cleveland. So they've been after uh, Krista and I to come and hang out and join that particular uh, event and uh, go work out with them in their gym. And so uh, I've heard CrossFit's really hard, so I sent Krista to go find out. And uh, she did go and uh, came back and finally encouraged me to come and be a part of it. And so I showed up, and basically there's a deal called on-ramp, which is uh, more or less getting you prepared to do the actual CrossFit uh, exercises of the day. So I get to this gym, and I'm ready to roll. Man, they give me my exercises for that day. Uh, first of all, I had to start off doing uh, 10 wall balls, which are basically taking 20-pound medicine balls, going into a full squat, then standing back up and throwing them against the wall about 10 feet high. So you do that, and once you're done with those 10 wall balls, then you have to do uh, what is called 15 double unders. That's a jump rope where whenever you jump in the air, it has to go under your feet twice. That's, and that's no joke, y'all listening. That's kind of like Rocky Balboa stuff, all right? And so that's the next exercise. And then you have to go and do five pull-ups, all right? Now, I haven't done a pull-up since the presidential fitness test in the fifth grade. Y'all listening? So I'm looking at that bar thinking, yeah, right. But anyway, so... um I get to this point where I've got to man up now and really get after these exercises. And so I begin to start. Now, I'm not squatting quite some time. Y'all listening? And it ain't no joke for these chicken legs to get down. All right. So anyway, I'm getting after it. I begin to sweat like a uh, beast and uh, begin to get a little exhausted. Finally figure out how to do the double unders, get finished with that, run over there and do my pull-ups, and I have to do this three times, all right, three sets. So after the first set, uh, my legs feel like they're about to fall off, and my heart is beating out of my chest, and my friends, Hal and Jonathan, quickly became my enemies. I don't like them any longer now. Great animosity in my heart towards them. I run by Krista to go back over and do the wall balls, and I'm thinking, Krista, please hurt yourself so we can leave, all right? And uh, she doesn't. She continues to move forward. And then as you uh, begin to look at me, I finish the second set, I start on the third set, and I get over right to do the pull-ups. And by this time, man, I'm about to die. Y'all listening? And so I'm bent over. As uh, And you guys have seen people who are tired, right? Well, I was extra tired. So I'm bent over like this, sweat falling from my face. And uh, at this point in time, my brain begins to have an shouting match basically with my body you ever had this before and so my brain's like what are you doing you are crazy you're a grown man go home take a nap all right what are you trying to prove to all these people they don't even know you you don't even like them some other things that i won't repeat but it was hollering at me and I'm about to die, man, like literally about like this is the worst workout I've ever had in my life. Now, if you would have walked into the gym and seen me like that, you would have said, he's about to give up. He's about to throw in the towel. Now, have you got that imagery in your mind? It's pretty interesting, isn't it? You know, some people come to church and this is what they look like spiritually. They've been walking with the Lord, but they just get overwhelmed. They grow a little weary. Life isn't necessarily going the way you really thought that it was going to go. And spiritually, you're sweating. Uh, you're leaned over, doubled over. 
And for some of you this morning, you may already be in the place where you're saying, I'm just about to throw my hands up and give up on this whole thing. Discouragement. You know, discouragement hits every single follower of Jesus Christ. We've all experienced it. And I want you to know that discouragement will actually cause you to lose your enthusiasm for the Lord. Discouragement not only does that, but discouragement actually causes you to lose your sensitivity to the Lord's leading in your life. And if you're not careful, discouragement will dig such a pit in your life that you will fall into a time of despair. You may have read the psalmist where he is literally talking to himself. He's like, why are you in such despair, oh my soul? Some of you feel this morning just like that. You know, Jesus describes it in Luke's gospel in chapter 18 as actually losing heart. It's the same idea of being discouraged. And the disciples are experiencing great discouragement at this point in their walk with the door Jesus And the question is, why are they so discouraged? I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball so we can get everything in its context. You remember the Jewish culture at this time, highly anticipating the coming of the kingdom. But Jesus told his disciples, as we saw last week, that the kingdom was not going to come physically to the earth yet. It was going to be postponed. And so this would have taken all the wind out of their sails. This would have caused them to say, well, what are we doing then? Why are we following after you? We were looking for the kingdom, and now you're telling us that it's not coming yet. In fact, Jesus just told them that they would not even experience the realization of the kingdom in their lifetime. Jesus knew they'd be discouraged. So Jesus now wants to give them the remedy for how to stay encouraged. And you think about it, right? You felt this way before, I'm sure, in your life where you are like, okay, things aren't happening the way they should. And all of a sudden you begin to pray and you're like, all right, God, this is what I thought was going to occur. This is how I thought life was going to turn out. This is what I thought you were saying. But now I see that this thing is not going to happen. It's not going to turn out the way that I really anticipated it coming. And then you're like, Lord, where are you? I'm so discouraged. Why have you turned your back upon me? you ever prayed like that before? I know I have. I'm sure if you got gut level honest and transparent, you'd say, I felt like that before. All of us have. So what does Jesus teach? Well, look in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. He's going to teach his disciples and us how to be encouraged by seeking the Lord in prayer. So Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, why don't you stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. You got there in front of you, say yes. And how many of you really, you want to get rid of discouragement, right? Here he is right here, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray. Question, how often should you pray? Let me ask everybody, class, how often should you pray? Yeah, at all times. Now, why should we do that? Check it out. And not lose heart. And now he's going to give them a parable, verse 2. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God and respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. The Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? 
And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith upon the earth? Let's bow together. Father, uh, thank you for this word. And God, losing a little bit of strength this morning physically, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would uh, just bring us to the text as a church body. Help us to see what you are calling us to do. And then God, help us to actually do it. Sick of talking about what we ought to be doing, Lord. We want to be a people of obedience. So lead us to that place where we are seeking after you and be glorified. God, I pray for those this morning who are discouraged. Those who spiritually are doubled over. Those who may be down in a pit of despair. Draw them out as they seek hard after you. And we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So you can be seated. Now it's pretty interesting because um, when I'm doing study for this uh, text of Scripture, I fell across those two words in Luke 18, verse 1. Look at them again. The last two words there. It says, lose heart. Y'all see that in your Bible? Say yes. And uh, in my study Bible, I circled that. And I'm like, okay, lose heart. What exactly does that mean? Well, it means to become discouraged. It means to become spiritually weary in your walk of faith. But it's interesting because I did a word study which basically surveyed the New Testament. Where else do we find that terminology, lose heart, in the New Testament? And in what context has it been used? Now, we've already seen the first context just in the introduction this morning. Jesus is teaching them that although life is not going to turn out exactly how they anticipated it, they should not lose heart. And all of us have experienced that, but let me ask you if you've experienced discouragement for a few other reasons that I find in the scripture. One, you may be discouraged by people ignoring the gospel. You know, you're like, I've been sharing the gospel with my coworker. I've been sharing the gospel with my family member. I've been sharing it with my friend, but they continue to refuse the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, after the sermon last Sunday, somebody came up to me and simply shook my hand and said, I'm almost ready to give up. What do I do? I'm sharing the gospel with my family, but they are just flat out rejecting the truth of who Jesus Christ is. How should I respond? Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, since we have this ministry, listen, we do not, check this out, lose heart, even if our gospel is is veiled. So Paul the Apostle is saying there are times in the ministry of reconciliation when you and I are sharing the gospel that we're going to be tempted to lose heart, to become discouraged. But he says in that context, do not lose heart because there are sometimes you're going to share the gospel and it is just flat out going to be veiled. But you and I do not have the ability to save an individual. God is in the saving business. You and I are in the sharing business. Amen. So we continue to share and not lose heart. So that's found one time in the New Testament. Also, we can become discouraged by personal limitations. So this morning you may be like, I can't be using the Lord. I'm just too old. 
All right, I've got too much age on me. I don't have the get up and go that I used to. I can't serve like I used to serve. I just, I just don't have that in me any longer. So some people see limitations in age as a reason to lose heart. Some people also see limitations in pain as a reason to lose heart. In fact, some people experience chronic pain. So they become discouraged. They are always physically hurting. And so through this, they begin to lose heart. But you know what the Bible says? And this is awesome. 2 Corinthians 4.16. We do not lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? Though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. So Paul the Apostle says, listen, you may be becoming old, you may experience some chronic uh, pain in your life, but just know this and be joyful in the fact that your outer man is decaying, but inwardly every single day you are growing stronger. So he says, don't lose heart. Some people become discouraged in that though, don't they? We also find discouragement in the fact that Some people do not see visible evidence of God's work in their life or around their life. So they become discouraged. And you're like, I keep investing my time in the ministry. I keep investing my ministry talents in my family to try to lead them so that they will love the Lord. But I'm looking around and, man, I'm not seeing any results. I'm not seeing any fruit in this endeavor. And Some people even say, I'm investing financially into the ministry. I mean, I am giving sacrifice. But I'm looking around. I see very little happening. It's like, where is the fruit? All right. Where is God at work? You know what the Bible says in Second Corinthians or I'm sorry, Galatians six and nine. It lays it out like this. Let us not lose heart. There's that term again in doing good for in due season. We will reap if we do not grow weary. So Paul's like, just wait. Your investment is not overlooked by God the Father. He sees what's going on, but you allow Him to be God over the harvest. But how many times have you become discouraged and you're just really seeking to do what God's called you to do, but you're not seeing any results? You've experienced discouragement like that. I know I have. Some people are just discouraged because of troubles in life. And some of you are experiencing great troubles who... Uh, You may even be like, Levi, you just don't get it, man. You don't understand what's going on in my life. You don't understand the troubles that I am experiencing personally. You don't understand the troubles in my family. You don't understand the troubles in my workplace. And you don't even understand the troubles here in the fellowship with some of the relationships that I have. So much trouble is going on. You just don't get it. And then not only this, but whenever you fall into times of trouble, and all of us do, and we experience trials and difficulties, we begin to say, God, where are you? Why aren't you working? Why aren't you just like supernaturally making all of this disappear. What is up, Lord? You know, the Bible says, Ephesians 3 and 13, Paul the Apostle says, I ask that you not lose heart, there it is again, at my tribulation on your behalf, for they are for your glory. And so the Bible teaches literally that when you experience trouble, just as I experience trouble, that God is using that trouble to shape us into the image of His Son Jesus so that our character better reflects Him, so that our conduct better reflects Him. And the Lord is also using our trouble not only to shape us, but also for His own glory. So God is working even in the midst of our trouble, be encouraged. And then there's another reason that we can become discouraged according to the New Testament. And we can become discouraged because of a lack of recognition. A lack of recognition. So you might be like, here I am, right? Are y'all listening? Say, yeah. 
See, like here I am, yeah? I am working finger to the bone, pouring out myself for this business, doing all that I know that I should be, and here I am, nobody recognizes me. Nobody ever comes along, pats me on the back, and says, that a boy. Nobody ever encourages me and says, that a girl. All of this, and not only this, but people who are slackers are getting promotions over me. What is going on? Here I am, Lord. I'm, what is happening? You know what's unique? In the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians 3.13, in the context of work ethic, here's what the Bible says. As for you, brethren, do not lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing good. That's in the context of working. So Paul is like, don't stop working hard and doing your best, even when you're surrounded by those who are in undisciplined in their work ethic, even though others are skipping out on their responsibility. The boss may not recognize you. They may not come by and give you a promotion or a little pat on the back, but God sees every single thing that you're doing. And that's the deal. It's pretty interesting, right? So I do this word study on lose heart. And all of these different categories begin to fall out. I wonder this morning. All right. Look at the uh, preacher eyeball to eyeball for a second. Y'all looking at me? Yeah. Question. If you took your spiritual mask off this morning. And quit trying to put on a little show for everybody. Think you got it going on. How do you be real honest to say. I have flat out experienced discouragement in that area. I'm, I'm experiencing it now. Uh, somebody may say, I, I feel right now overwhelmingly weary. Right? Everything that I thought was going to happen, not happening, don't know where the Lord is, just flat out, discur- don't even know what he's doing. Right? And all of us have come to a point in our life like that. You know what Jesus does? He's like, here's, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep your eyes wide open for discouragement. Discouragement will uh, eat your lunch, all right? Discouragement will rattle your cage. Discouragement will cause you to miss out on what the Lord is doing. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples and you and I how to face discouragement, how you and I can defeat discouragement. That really is the key question this morning. So here's the very first way that you can defeat discouragement. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 teaches it. But let's put the uh, point up here if we can. Click uh, the space bar a few times here, bro. One more time. Boom. Here it is. Y'all with me? Say yeah. Point number one, maintain an unrelenting conversation with God. An unrelenting conversation with God. Luke 18 and verse 1, the Bible says he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Now, this is interesting, right? Jesus is like, okay, I know some of you are going to be discouraged, but here's what I want you to do. Just want you to pray. Y'all look at me for a second. What? That's all you, you just want me to pray and like now... I'm supposed to no longer be discouraged. Now I'm supposed to no longer be bummed out about what's going on. Notice uh, this idea of praying at all times is very common throughout the New Testament. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer. And it's given in a uh, continual action form. Continue to devote yourselves to prayer, uh, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. We have Ephesians 6 and 18 that says, Pray at all times. We have uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. 
You know, Luke, who wrote the gospel here, actually mentions prayer 21 times. Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts, he mentions prayer 25 times. So prayer is this concept that actually intertwines every follower of Jesus Christ's life. It is a part of you just as much as breathing is a part of you staying alive. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Because the Bible's like, pray all the time. Now, how many of you know that's an impossibility? Are y'all praying right now? <laughs> Do you all sleep at night? I, I'm asking y'all a question. This is when y'all answer out loud. Do you all sleep at night? Yeah, yeah. Do you sleep during the day? Are you sleeping now? Y'all out there? Now, when I read texts of Scripture and I'm like, pray all the time, I'm like, wait a minute. That's going to be difficult because I kind of like to sleep. So how am I going to pray all the time? Or what exactly is the New Testament teaching here. And the uh, reality is the Lord knows that you and I sleep. The Lord, however, is teaching you and I that as a follower of Jesus, now you got to listen to this, you and I are called to be in constant communication with the Lord. So we are to pray over and over and often as followers of Jesus Christ. One commentator makes this statement, and I love it. He says, as one walks in a sin-fallen world, it is essential to get the pure air of heaven in our spiritual lungs through prayer. All right, so here's the deal. God, are y'all listening? Because I really want y'all to get it. I feel like I get it better now than I did the first service, all right? So no telling what I'm liable to get the third. Y'all listening? But here's the deal. God has ordained it. That you and I would experience encouragement in the Spirit when we pray. So if we are discouraged, the answer is don't lose heart, but at all times pray. So through prayer, God begins to lift us out, out of the pit of despair and calls us to walk in line with His purpose. And that's the call. Now, here's what happens, though. When you and I experience discouragement, oftentimes, instead of just flat out getting on our knees before the Lord and speaking to Him, you know what we do? We gripe and we complain about it. D do we not? Y'all don't act spiritual. All right? Things aren't going well at the workplace. You're not getting recognized. You gripe about it. Things not going well at home, you gripe about it. Things not going well in your small group, you gripe about it. Instead of praying, seeking after the Lord. I think all of us probably have a telephone with us today, right? A cell phone. And um, you got caller ID on your cell phone like I do. So whenever someone calls, like I, their, their uh, name shows up on the front screen here, and uh, sometimes even their picture shows up, right? So you can imagine what that's like when James Dollar calls you. It's like, yay. Right? <laughs> Just kidding. Now, can we be truthful and honest, though, for a second? That everybody for truth and honesty in church say, yeah. All right, so ha have you ever looked at the caller ID and said, I do not want to talk to that person? You need to repent of your sin. I'm just kidding. You've, I think we've all done that, right? Uh, matter of fact, a lot of people do that when I call. But anyway, you, you've, you've done that, I'm sure. And I think what happens is we sometimes project that concept on the person of the Lord. And we think that whenever we pray, it's like God has this caller ID and he's like, ah, not Levi again. Right? Not you again. But you know, the Bible teaches just the exact opposite. In fact, listen to Jeremiah 29, the Lord speaking. He's like, call upon me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search with me with your whole heart. I will be found by you. 
How about Jesus in Matthew chapter 7? He says, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So check this out. The Lord never grows tired of hearing you call out to him. And the Lord actually invites you and wants you to persist in prayer, seeking after him. And that's the thing, right? Here's the deal. All right. Prayer is not about you getting God to do what you want him to do. Prayer is just about getting God. Y'all didn't hear that. Prayer is not about you getting God to do what you want to do. Prayer is just about getting God. And whenever you get the Lord, that's when you find strength and encouragement. And whenever you grip the Lord, that's when you begin to discover God actually has some things that he desires for you to do. You walk in obedience to him. So we're to persist in prayer, go after it in prayer. Jesus so wants them to get this that he actually moves into sharing a parable, which leads us more or less to our second point this morning. And that is, and we'll just throw that up on the screen, press the space bar, maintain a strong trust in God's ability to answer prayer. Now, how many of you believe God can answer prayer? Amen. And the Lord does. And so we seek after him and the Lord answers. But look at your Bible in verse 2, if you will, Scripture says, in a certain city, and this is Jesus telling a parable, a story, says, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. Jesus' audience, by the way, would have been extremely familiar with this idea of a court system in Jewish culture. According to the Old Testament, those who served in this role were to uphold the law of God and not show partiality. However, the judges in Jesus' day were wicked, they were immoral, they were unrighteous, and they displayed great partiality. And not only this, but they were known for taking bribes from people to sway their decision. In my study, I actually found that one particular judge on an occasion uh, actually changed the entire verdict just so he could get a meal that night. That's how wicked they were, how perverted justice was. And even though this... Um, story uh, by Jesus is fabricated. Everybody listening would have had somebody in their mind who was a judge like this. Look at verse 3 in your Bible. There was a widow in that city. She kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Now apparently this woman was being uh, mistreated. Uh, She was experiencing unjust harm. So she just wanted her opponent to be exposed and kept from harassing her. Verse 4 and 5, while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, which by the way, that's a wicked guy. Wouldn't you agree? This guy's saying this to himself. Even though I don't fear the Lord, even though I don't respect anybody, notice the Bible, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal uh, protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. So Jesus now is elevating this particular widow and her persistence in coming to the judge and saying, give me legal protection. Help me here. Help me here. Show justice here. Show justice over and over. And the man who is, although wicked, says, this lady's going to drive me nuts. So I'm going to give her what she wants just so she will leave me alone. Now, what do these individuals represent, this unrighteous judge, this persistent widow woman? Look at verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? This is interesting, right? 
Jesus compares the unrighteous judge to God and the persistent widow to his elect, his chosen people. Now, that does not mean that God is an unrighteous judge, nor does this mean that God's people are get-on-your-nerves kind of people. He argued from the lesser to the greater. If a poor widow got what she deserved from a selfish judge, how much more will God's children receive what is right from a heavenly, loving Father? Now, like the widow of the disciples' day... um, or rather, I guess it's to just say the disciples were about to experience uh, some great unjust suffering in their life. Are y'all listening? And the reason they are is because the kingdom, which they anticipated was going to be postponed. They were about to experience such great unjust harm in their life that they were going to be persecuted for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, I don't want you to lose heart, all right? I don't, want you to lose, I don't want you to think that the kingdom's not coming. I don't want you to lose heart when you experience persecution as my follower. I don't want you to become discouraged when life doesn't turn out the way you think it should. I want you to always, at all times, be in prayer. And the Lord, the Bible teaches, is patient, right? This is what this text is saying. He's patient. Now, why is he patient? In the context, all right, y'all listening? This is huge. In the context of Luke 18, the reason that he's patient is so that others might be saved. So the Lord is not slow in his promise. What's his promise? That he'll come again. But he's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to everlasting life. So in this time frame, he is not just totally hands off. No, no, just look at his delay as the fact that God is bringing salvation to others. And you and I, the Bible says, should pray for the coming of the Lord, which you continue to pray for that. But here in this text of Scripture, what I want you to see is some application. I want you to see that whenever you are discouraged, you and I are charged by the Lord Jesus to spend time in prayer. Now listen, look at me. Here, here's what we know this morning, all right? We know, uh, as they tell us, on every single pew, there's a broken heart. On every single pew in a church, there's somebody experiencing great discouragement. You know what this means? This means that if we are to help you, if you are to get out of that discouragement, you've got to seek the Lord. And, and God has ordained that through prayer, He encourages you. So do not miss out on this call from God to your life. And here's the deal too. Some of you are here this morning as an individual follower of Christ and you're like, man, I've been praying the same thing over and over and often for I don't know how long, but it's like God's not even paying attention. L- listen, God's paying attention, but it's His divine timing that He answers. So what should you continue to do? Keep on praying. You're like, you mean be like the widow woman who bothers the judge? Yes. But here's what's awesome. You and I do not have the capacity to bother God. But we're still charged to come to Him, pray, pray, pray. How many of you have been praying for a lost loved one for I don't know how long, and you're just about to throw your hands up and say, the Lord just isn't listening? No, no, no. Keep on praying. Some of you have a prodigal son or a daughter who's, I mean, they are wayward. You're like, I've been praying, but man, they're just not paying attention. The Lord's not listening. I don't know what to do. What should I do? Pray. Keep on seeking God. Like, well, this is a dead-end job that I'm in. I've been praying God would give me another one. I just don't know what to do. What do I do, preacher? Keep on praying. Seeking the Lord. 
y'all ain't y'all aren't listening, right? This is what's wild. This text is telling us to pray. Do y'all agree with me on this? Now, here's what I have found. You can come to church on any given Sunday and not even speak to the Lord. So you can come to church, run up in here, listen to some singing, listen to some uh, other people pray, uh, listen to a sermon, never even talk to God. Now, that's a wasted Sunday. Would y'all agree? So you didn't, what? You didn't speak to the Lord? Jesus says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You didn't even talk to God. What were y'all doing down there? Now, are y'all listening say yes? Because now I'm like, here's my heart, all right? Here's what I've often thought. I've often thought that God comes powerfully, all right, through the preaching. Right? Y'all listening? Through the preaching, man. Preaching's where it's at. Preach like a wild man. God's power falls. Uh, guess what I've learned? That is not always the case. Uh, sometimes people think, all right, if we get our praise on up here and we got all the right people playing, all the right singing, and we, we got it going, God's going to fall in power, man. Let's get some uh, singing on. And sometimes uh, that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. So, so how does God actually move? It's through prayer. It's through us seeking the Lord. Are, are y'all looking at me now? Because I'm about to fix to get out here in your face a little bit. Look at me. Here's the deal. You can come to church. You can sing some songs. You can listen to a sermon. You'll be like, well, that was fun. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. And God never come. Now, I don't know about you, man, but I don't want to be a part of a fellowship like that. Now, we uh, have grown accustomed as some good old traditional Baptist people. Here's how church rolls. We come in, we sit down, we stand, we sing, we listen to some guy pray, we sit down, we shake some hands, uh, we sit down longer, we stand up, sing a few songs, we sit down, we listen to a sermon, we take a few notes, we finish, we go, we leave. Traditionally, that's what it's looked like. Man, you're just about going any church, and that's how the format's going to roll out. And then we wonder, it's like, why is the Lord not falling in great power, bunches of people coming to know Christ? Why is God not moving on hearts, bringing conviction, bringing newness of life? Where's the Lord? Uh, could it be that the Lord's like, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would just hear my voice and open the door, I would come in and fellowship with him. You know who the Lord's talking to in the book of Revelation? A church. So if we're not careful, we can do all of this. And so the Lord's out there saying, man, I wish somebody would open up the door and let me in. There's people in there who are discouraged. There's people in there who need to be lifted up. People who need to be born again. People need to be changed. People who are suffering. I wish somebody just opened the door and let me come in and work. See, God's power falls when God's people pray. So then the question really is, it's like, do we want the Lord's power to fall? Or do we just want to, let's just do this thing, man, and roll out. Maybe I should ask that out loud. Do y'all want to really see the Lord's power fall? Or we just do it and roll out? That's boring to me. Let's do this thing and roll out. Not when the God of the universe is like, call to me. I'll answer you. 
Show you great and mighty things that you know not of. Call to me. Now, I don't know if your brain goes where mine goes sometimes, but mine goes like this sometimes. I'm thinking the Lord's looking over the church, and the church is like, love the Lord you God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Oh, we're going to sit down? All right, let's sit down. Oh, we're taking up the offering. All right, here we go. And the Lord's going, call to me. And then I get up my preaching. It's like, oh, let's open my Stand up. Call to me. We get down to the invitation. People are like, oh, okay, man, it's over with now. Let me put my stuff up. Let me get all my stuff together because I'm fit to roll out here. And God's up here going, call to me. Why won't somebody just call? That's what he's doing this morning. Why won't you just call? I, I'm, I'm, I'm semi-preaching here. Y'all listening? But let us not play around church. All right, that's boring. All right? Let us not, that is, that is dead and lifeless. All right? Let us seek the Lord together. Amen? Let's bow. Father, now forgive us for coming to church and not even talking to you sometimes. Forgive us through going, uh, through the motions of every day, complaining, griping, and not even talking to you. Forgive us, Lord, for pulling people aside and saying, man, uh, this is going on, this is going on, this is horrible, this is horrible, I hate this, I hate this, and complaint, 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 complaint. Forgive us, Lord, for so often being like the children of Israel, wandering in the wilderness, never satisfied, always griping, Help us, Lord. God, we want to call out to you this morning. We want to call out to you during this time of invitation and ask you to move.